Your property podcast comes to you with thanks to our friends at Trafalgar Square Finance, leading independent specialists in mortgages and all types of property finance. Whether it's buy-to-let, development or bridging finance, Trafalgar Square can help you organise your funding for your next property project. Exclusively to listeners of Your Property Podcast, Trafalgar Square offer a free one-to-one consultation. So whether you are a portfolio landlord looking to raise funds on your existing portfolio, or if you're just starting out and want to find out if you are eligible for a buy-to-let mortgage, Trafalgar Square Finance can help. It's easy to book with one of their experienced consultants by simply visiting yourpropertynetwork.co.uk forward slash finance. You can find this link in the show notes for more details. Hello and welcome to Your Property Podcast. My name is Michelle Cairns and with us today we've got Dan Norman. Hi Dan. Hello Michelle, how are you doing? Great, thank you. Great to have you on. Oh, pleasure, pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's, um, we were just saying off, off camera there that uh, it's, it's been a while. It's probably been about six years since I last saw you present um, at one of the mastermind type networking uh, events. And I think you were talking about, uh, you had a presentation talking about all the things that you'd learned and how much you'd equated it to. I'm not sure if you want to actually <laughs> divulge that number, but um, sure. the learnings certainly have a value, don't they? Oh, 100%. It was, um, if I remember correctly, the full title of that, if anyone has ever had the misfortune of seeing it, a pin talk, I, I don't do those anymore um, just because my, my life's gone in a direct, different direction um, and, and it's not necessary to get out on the circuit. Um, but uh, the, the full title was uh, eight months versus 16 years, half a million pounds worth of property mistakes and how not to make them. So it's very much about the difference of my kind of prior to mastermind or whatever training people go through because uh, I've been involved in property for some time before then uh, a lot of people kind of come in new and they go on a course and that's how they learn about doing property but I'd actually kind of got the blisters and the bruises and the knocks and the scrapes before then uh, so yeah a bit, bit of a fun time but I'm sure we'll go into that in more depth <laughs> well, go on then so you've obviously had background in property before so what 25 years plus now um, yeah. in property how does your time before getting educated um how, how is that different from post-education <laughs> uh, yeah good 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 question and there's a number of things involved in that um so to give a very potted history i bought my first house in 1997 and it was a bit of a lark really me and my horrible smelly mates from university we all had a little bit of money left over after uni because we had a grant and I took a view to put mine into the deposit of a house, about two and a half thousand pounds for the deposit of a house. Would you, would you believe it? And I went and got my mortgage, which was about five and a half percent. And my four horrible housemates moved in and we basically did a bit of a deal that they could refurb the rooms, their rooms as they wished to. I'd pay for it. They'd do the works. And they were all actually quite handy guys. So we, we did a reasonable job and had you know, an electrician to come in to do the rewire and the gas works and so forth. Um, but that's how I got started. And from there, I was working in the nightclub industry. I had, had a uh, quite decent length of uh, time in marketing and promotions. I've recently just actually sold that company a year ago um, because I'm, I'm basically too old to be involved in it. But that had a good run. That had 25 years. And now it's gone to an even higher level. But that provided a really nice base income. And that I then utilised to buy and refurb houses. And some of them are kept. 
not as many as I would have liked. Uh, but by 2013, I think I've done about 40 refurbs. Um, there are thereabouts, mainly single lets, but a couple of commercials, a bit of um, uh, well, a bit into the HMO market as well. And that's really what set me um, learning literally by doing uh, how to source, how to find, or more correctly, my, my partner at the time sourced the, uh, the properties, my business partner. And we'd go in and smash them to bits and put them back together again. And it was a jolly, jolly bit of fun and made some money. So uh, <laughs> there wasn't really any, there wasn't really any process to it. It was a matter of, well, there was, but it wasn't a matter of, you know, you go out and specifically look in X, Y, Z area. It was, oh, we think we'll make a few quid on that property. So it's just sort of making that, it up as you go along. Yeah, for the best. very, very broad terms. It wasn't as precise as the way you people will apply an actual strategy. I suppose our strategy was refurbishment. Yeah. It wasn't adding value. It was refurbishment and then either sell on or rent. Right. OK, so interesting. Then you didn't come into it um, wanting to get out of a day job or needing the cash flow to live off. This no. was a, a kind of a hobby or was it full time? Well, interestingly, the best way I've heard it described is it was almost a bit of a jobby, uh, which <laughs> is Scottish for a term. I like that. <laughs> so it was part <laughs> job, part hobby. There was, there was a process and there was a structure to it and we knew what we were going to do. Uh, very fortunate to have some great trades that we've, well, some of them I still work with now. Um, but it was quite casual. And yeah. I think the big learning from when I went on, I reconnected with Saizuchi and we've been mates since what, 1994, um, reconnected with him and he said, look, it's probably about time you came on this mastermind thing. Uh, so signed up and met a bunch of great people there, a couple with, uh, I'm still business partners with now in a separate portfolio that's very, very specifically targeted. And that, I guess, is what I really learned on mastermind is it's great to go off and do these things and kind of, Blather around and oh we might go and do this house here and then we'll do this but if you really want to make a business of it you've got to be very very targeted and very very precise and that's been the big learning of having done mastermind and, and done a lot of different things I did nine properties in my mastermind year um, about two million pounds worth of property in total that was a big learning of that is you can chuck a load of stuff in the top of the funnel and unless you've got that precision that's the difference between the real 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 top level people and the folk who are kind of just not bumbling along yeah, we made money on a bunch of it quite quite good deals but at the same time if, if you really want to excel you've got to be precise what does being precise mean to you um so to give give a couple of examples and people that might have already been on the on the uh, podcast before i think anyone who looks at a really tight location um if am i allowed to name names sure yeah so someone I've been very fortunate to support because one of my businesses now is actually First Charge Lending. Um, a chap called David Granat who won MM23, 21. Yeah. Um, he only operates in a certain uh, area and he does very, very high level professional HMOs that are done to a template and a standard that it, it just blows the rest of everything else apart at the, at the time and still maintains a very, very, very high standard even though a lot of people have developed that so found a niche found a location found a target group and his his processes of doing these these projects from start to end is it, it's stunning um so i think that's it that's a great example or you know if people are doing sa they'll probably only look in one city rather than 
jumping between a whole bunch of different areas or a whole di different bunch of client groups. Um, so that's that's a real key, I think, to to what I mean by precise. Yeah. So the strategy and then niching, not just the location, but as you said with David Granite there, um, yeah. his target market as well. So, so uh, one, one and how important is that niche then? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say it's what you feel comfortable with. Um, it may not always be the, the high cash flowing uh, part of it. As an example, I've done a bunch of single lets, about 35 single lets, I think it was, up until 2013. And now we've got an even tighter criteria uh, where that's where we developed Rover Homes from. Because we were in two postcodes, literally two postcards in Birmingham anyway. We put a brand behind it. We put a, a process and a 63 page specification document as to what we do with the properties when we've got it. So it's very, it's now a business. It's not a all up in my head kind of thing. Or, oh yeah, the plumbers turn up here and the builders turn up there and they just get on and do their thing. There's a structure to it. So that is the difference between doing single let refurbs and having a single let business, for example. Um, right. Well, do you want to talk to us about the difference then between the Rover Homes and, and the other one, New Leaf? Yeah, sure, certainly. So there, there's two main businesses that I, um, I'm involved in. Rover Homes is my own uh, property-led business, and that is very much, um, like I mentioned, two postcodes, 82,000 people live in that um, jurisdiction. Uh, it's, you know, I know the area, it's where the old Longbridge plant, uh, Rover Homes, uh, sorry, Rover Car Factory used to be. So we're a rover because of the car factory and b because we're pet friendly so we we're very very happy to accept pets um hence it's rover woof woof or rover broom broom whichever way you want to <laughs> <whenever>. <laughs> i like it yeah there, there's a wonderful heritage to that area obviously the rover car plant plant um close down in 2007-8 but there's still a big pride in that area um we know the area we're local to the area we only use local trades our entire support team is from that area um, so that, that's how we kind of go real deep into that. And it's family homes because we want people to see them as homes. They're not houses, they're, they're our clients' homes. Um, and we want them to be there for a long time. Now, if you want to be entirely mercenistic about it, you could say, Michelle, right, well, you just want people to be in there forever so you don't get a void and they learn to live there and that becomes their home. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The business, yeah. Right? Um, if you look at, I don't know, a professional HMO model, that might be entirely different because you know you're going to get a churn of every, I don't know, 16 to 18 months maybe, or maybe less, where people are moving in and out of the building and it's quite transient. That's absolutely not what we're about in Rover Homes. It's about legacy, it's about locality, and it's about loyalty to our clients. Right. So when you say put two postcodes, uh, what did the full two full postcodes or just the first part? Uh, first part. So it's B31, B45. Um, you know, okay. that's where we focus and we know those uh, know those areas um, and have you got like let's say gold mine areas within like certain streets or is it just sort of anything within those two postcodes that you're happy with well funnily enough th this strategy has changed over basically since covid and the uplift in single leg prices we can't cut a margin that we were getting before uh, 2020, I think was the last one I bought, 2020, yeah, it was 2020. Um, back end of 2020 was the last one we bought at sub 100,000 pounds. Now, they're now selling towards 200,000 pounds and I can't get in, pay the same duty to do the refurb. So we've had to flex that process a little bit. We've used the same template, the same spec, the same internals, 
on what we now call puppy pads, which are refurbing small, uh, previously done flats, conversions, those kind of things, <clears throat> where we're working with existing landlords who basically don't want the hassle, don't want the bother, their properties aren't great. Um, and where Rover Homes is focused now is to deliver those into much, much better specification, where they've been refurbed, where they're up to standard, where you know, they've been rewired, they've got everything in play, they've been insulated, their EPCs are good, all those kind of affairs. We can't allow pets to the same level that we do in our single lets because it's just not fair, either on the client or on the pet for that matter. You, know, you can't have a 12 stone uh, alsatian or whatever in a, in a flat for one person. Um, but we've applied the same principles and that is that is very, very specific. There, there's a number of roads that we look at for those within the uh, B31, B45 area. Okay. Well, um, going back to the pets, uh, that issue then, because obviously with the renters reform bill coming yeah. in, there's lots to talk about, oh, you know, how's this going to work with allowing pets? Uh, why are you so pro pets? Um, if I was to be really naughty and, and, and terrible about it, I think pets are as important as kids. <laughs> okay. you know, they, they make a home. Um, and it, it baffles me, in all honesty, that the majority of landlords, and it, it is an insane amount of landlords who are willing to immediately cut off 50% of their potential uh, client base. Uh, and we thought, you know, what, 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 yeah, we've got cats. Uh, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? You might return, you know, replace a couple of carpets. Um, but if people are staying with you long enough, you'll probably do that anyway. That's true. Uh, yeah, I suppose the, the issue is that like, the deposit wouldn't cover potential damage. Sure. How do yeah. you go around that? And, and this, I guess, is the, the, the very long term view on it. Our, our metric of clients, um, right. proven by what we've had, is it's years, not months. Yeah, right. Okay. And, and that's a critical thing when you when you provide a, a, a good product um yeah, we're not the most incredible places i've seen some unbelievable refurbs and i'll take my hat off to the people who are, are doing the work and putting the legwork into them because you know the finish is great but i'm sure they had did a lot of work before they got to the finish stage um but yeah we're, we're pretty good i'd say we're eight out of ten maybe um maybe maybe a bit more maybe i'm being a bit modest um but at the same time when people have moved in and they've been assessed and they've been assessed as being wanting to be in that area specifically, we want them to be there for as long as they want to be there for. Uh, right. and, and, you know, when you work that out, it, again, being purely mercenistic, if someone's going to be there for seven years rather than flipping a house four times, a couple of carpets really don't make any odds to me. Yeah. And so when uh, you do the refurb, are you thinking, do you do things differently because you know you're, targeting people or you're open to having test uh, clients with pets um i wouldn't say it, it's a major part of it it's more just the welcoming but we do try and up spec everywhere we can and, and just ridiculous things like putting outside taps in because you might want to wash a dog down outside and putting external sockets in so people can enjoy their garden more um, and we we spend quite a lot of money on the refurbishment of external areas so it can be enjoyed i think a lot of the time um, when you're doing a refurb, it's like, oh God, I've run out of money, and now I've got to do three, four thousand pounds worth of landscaping in, in in a regular single family home. That probably gets left off the grid a bit. Um, yeah. So that that that's the that's the mentality I think of how we try and put things into play for our for our properties. And it's that little bit of extra investment up front sometimes that makes a world of difference. So when someone walks in, it, it, it's it's a mentality of one view, one sale. 
Oh, I like it. It's very refreshing. Um, no. it, it, so, it, it's been a long time getting to it, so I, I, I don't think I'm ever so bright or anything like that about it. <laughs> it it's actually, my wife and I sat down and, and, and discussed, and, and we actually went through quite a process of working out what we wanted to do and working out what we didn't want to do. And I think one of the big lessons from, from property and seeing people have been through Mastermind and a number of other scenarios is the people who spend a little bit more time considering to begin with often have better results. Uh, yeah, so I completely agree. The other way. <laughs> I completely agree. Just uh, having that thought of what you want to achieve, then in your case, then the strategy is clearer and how you do the refurb is clearer because you've got that vision um, in mind already. Uh, okay, so well, how about the other business? Because that's quite different than just the single family homes. Tell us more about yeah. that. Well, th this is something that very much came off the back of Mastermind. And, and it was all down to a conversation for something called, which I'm sure a lot of people will be familiar with called Wealth Dynamics, uh, which is a profiling system. And uh, I actually sat next to someone at the Mastermind um, Accelerator Day, a chap called Dave Morris. And he turned to me and said, oh, we're going to end up doing something together. I don't know what it will be, but we'll do something together. And it took us both being on Mastermind and then him being introduced to another chap called Greg Reed on Mastermind 14, purely through Wealth Dynamics, where the, um, the organiser, the coordinator of Wealth Dynamics, uh, said, you, should, you two should have a conversation. And then Dave remembered me being the other kind of, uh, I, I would say triangle, part of the triangle, but obviously Wealth Dynamics is a square for the different uh, profiles you get. And we sat down and again, a similar situation. We actually didn't buy anything or do anything for about six, six, seven months, I think it was. But we all knew that we were, we were all landlords. Um, we all had very different skill sets. Uh, I love refurbing property. Dave is very detail orientated. Greg is great at marketing creation, building relationships and that kind of thing. And we thought, okay, we can all be more landlords and just go out and buy more property. We can do that. Or what can we do that's a bit more, um, a bit more fulfilling? And we took a view that we were going to start a uh, supported accommodation business. Now, this was back in 2013 when it was relatively unknown. Uh, I think it was relatively, um, relatively kind of new for one bear word. It's a lot more yeah. um, progressed now, I think. And that was very much started off with a mentality, Michelle, of we want to help people become warm, safe and dry with a focus on people who were facing homelessness. And that business is kind of ticked along nicely now for 10 years to the point that it's done about 300,000 bed nights of accommodation. And that mm. was very much about setting the, setting the specification in place, setting the processes in place. It's evolved a little bit and it's improved, I think, a little bit as well to, to work with the housing association that we work with. We very much only provide the buildings and they provide the support and care because that is absolutely not our skill set. We, we wouldn't know what we're doing with it. So it's best that we all kind of play to our strengths uh, and that's very much a collaboration between us three and our, our partner association. So for people who aren't familiar, then Supported Living, you um, offer the property at uh, market rate for a guaranteed uh, period of time. And then they will take it on and then there's, they're liable for any uh, damage or anything. It's like an FRI lease. Is that how it works? Yeah, absolutely. It's actually a little bit below market value rent. Um, because we're conscious of the housing association being sustainable uh, and we started off with someone who while they were very experienced as individuals within the supported accommodation uh, or the supported sector 
they were a relatively new company because they basically didn't want to be involved with some of the some of the more kind of lumbering hulks that there are and they wanted to be new and agile and mark their own territory really and they've done really really well over the last um past decade uh but it is it is a commercial agreement it is as you say an fro uh full repaired insuring lease um so we give someone a, effectively give someone a property for six seven years they maintain it they tenant it they do everything internally we are still responsible for the external structure of the building um, and we need to remember that because there is still a level of responsibility um, i think some people say supported living is uh, is passive investing and i, I think that's um that's very uh disingenuous it's not correct <laughs> no well i'm not sure any property business is completely yeah. passive i prefer re recurring income uh, yeah. rather than passive but uh, so uh okay so the the charity will take on the property for whatever six seven years how does that work with a mortgage if you, do they have mortgages on these properties um, yeah totally and yeah. the mortgage company happy with that because I've I sort of heard that the mortgages mortgage lenders wouldn't be happy because if they had to repossess then it was you know they wouldn't want to be seen to be repossessing a charity. Yeah, absolutely. And this is something where where again this is outside of my remit. Um, but Dave, being the detail guy, was very, right. very, very precise uh, in how that would be put together. And I think you're absolutely you're 100 right that. Um, a lot of people will, you know, you can't walk into NatWest. Yeah. Uh, it is a commercial agreement. It's not a regular mortgage product. It's a commercial loan, effectively. Uh, and we've been through that iteration now, I think, on three different occasions because of the initial purchase and the length of the lease and then the release. And we've obviously refinanced it in, in, in process. Um, luckily, fortunately, not not so long ago. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll come on to uh, financing in a bit because that is that is a tricky area. And again, this is something where, thankfully, having someone someone on board, and I've had I don't know, God knows how many mortgages and loans and so forth. Um, but having someone on board who's got that very precise skill set um, to really drill into the detail is very useful because I think it's a bit of a tripwire people can come across, and especially when you're dealing with vulnerable people. Um, it's not not the same level of responsibility as when you've got a family, which is enough. So it's yeah, a and, yeah, yeah. cautious approach. So things like uh, if the boiler were to go, that's the charity's responsibility. Is that yours? Yours just the external? In, entirely depends on the deal. There's a couple of right. problems, you know, where we've had to be fair because we've not handed over a, a brand newly refurbished property, and, and, right. and we're quite keen on, along with Rover Homes, where. We, we don't kind of change things out just for the fun of it. Um, but again, one of our mantras in Rover Homes is do it all or not at all. So if you're thinking, oh, can I get away with it or can't I, then no, you can't. <laughs> Fair enough. And do you try and match the term of the lease with your mortgage product? I'm just thinking, you know, if you've if you've locked in a rental agreement with the charity at one rate, but then you've got a fixed mortgage that yeah. is like a three-year fix or five-year fix and it comes out of that and then the interest rates jump, is that just the risk or yeah. how does that work? Wherever possible, uh, wherever possible. It's not always entirely possible, but you know, we, we've, we've all been a little bit longer in the tooth, I guess, than most. And uh Funnily enough, in about 2015, I fixed a, a, a loan on one of my own personal supported accommodation properties, uh, thinking, oh, there's no way, there's no way it's going to stay low forever. 
But then what did we have? We had seven more years of unbelievably low interest rates. And I think that's been one big tripwire for, for investors recently. People have thought over the last 12 years, it's been low, so it's always going to be low. And the, the sad news is that's 100% not the case. Um, you know, when, you, when you've had people, and I'm fortunate enough to network with some folk who've not only seen the last recession, but the recession before that, and the, the, the peaks and troughs of, uh, of finance. I've experienced some of them myself. Yeah, five percent is pretty normal, really, uh, yeah. but not over the last twelve years. <laughs> True. True. Uh, so, how does that change? What you're uh, are you look are you buying more now? And if so, has that changed your strategy? Um, it, it, interestingly, the last few years with the price raises, we've we've not done a lot in that business other than maintain the existing portfolio. Um, right. Not being possible to at the rates that we're happy to to charge the association because they then have that little bit of wiggle room because it is a bit of an uncertain area uh, i think it is higher maintenance than most um yeah i think that is fair uh it, it depends you hear, you always hear the worst stories rather than the best stories uh but it, yeah i think it is something that you just need to allow a little bit more buffer in um and buying the houses that we were buying in 2013 and the refurb costs on top of it, it, it wouldn't be viable right at the moment. So again, we're just kind of holding tight on that business and looking at looking at different ways of working with people. Yeah. And so how are you, you know, where are you at, at the moment then? Are you kind of got enough kind of ticking along? It's just about managing the portfolio as it is. Uh, or are you um, what are you up to now? <laughs> right, yeah, sure. So it's a new leaf, very much a matter of looking specifically at, okay, what are the options going to be in the coming years? Um, we're very, very comfortable with the portfolio as it is. It sits and just uh, chugs along as it does. Um, a little bit of maintenance because we've had some of the properties for, for seven years, so there'll inevitably be that kind of cyclical maintenance, and you have to you have to plan and allow for that. It's never the first day spreadsheet, <laughs> we, if only it were. Um, Rover Homes-wise, the, the interesting piece we've had here is we've actually been buying quite a lot over the last uh, last year 18 months and interestingly every deal i've done in the last 18 months has been on an exchange with delayed completion or a lease option it's been things that through conversation with the people i've been buying off who don't tend to be residential owners they tend to be right. commercial owners um, have been structured in such a way that we've we've avoided for them the pain of having to wait four months for commercial finance coming through on my part and for me the four months of headache that commercial finance is so we've been able to structure a deal directly with them and i think that's only going to become more and more prevalent over the over the coming uh coming few months okay so when you say exchange or delayed completion is there a set use that mentioned there four months is that just to get the commercial lending in place yeah oh, absolutely i mean we, we we've had a situation um on another property where it was four months just to get to know as in no not k-n-o-w right. <laughs> it's just terrifying that you know you think that wow. you're applying for a finance and that was a that was a pulled finance product um went through the whole gates of it and then uh, four months in they, they said oh, yeah we're not able to do that anymore and you just think well you, you should have some form of process at the beginning um, the exchange with delay completion, to give to give a very, uh, very specific example, the properties have literally just come back from this morning. Um, there, there were three properties in a row, all for sale by the same landlord. Uh, and we agreed a deal to cash by the first one, uh, 
kind of immediately, which was October last year. Uh, we then proceeded to uh, delay completion and uh, by the next one, April of this year. And then the next one is April 2024. And the reason for that was for the capital gains allowances for them, it enables me to get a little bit of my stamp duty. It means that I'm not tying up a load of cash. But in the meantime, I was paying them a little bit of a rental on the building as well. So it basically achieved the price that they wanted, but over the time period that worked for them and worked for me at the time until they changed the capital gains laws um, to, to kind of maximize the deal for everyone. And the interesting part of that is not only have I bought, it's eight flats across three properties, but then I've also just uh, exchanged with a further delay completion on the next block, which is uh, it's about five and a half thousand square foot of commercial space owned by the same landlord. Um, so that entire piece, oh God, what would it be? It's a thick end of, at the time, £90,000 worth of income and about a million pounds in GDV, but spread over mm, 24, 30 months. Well, okay. So that gives them a better income because they're receiving some rental that I would have been paying for the bank. Uh, it means I don't tie up a whole load of cash flow because of deposits. 10, 15% rather than 35%. Uh, and we kind of all win. So that's that's an exciting, exciting different deal prospect than looking back 10, 20 years ago when we were putting down 40% because the stuff we were buying was in bad order. Then you were having to put in all the refurb costs and then you might refinance out. So you're coming at you know, three, four different sets of costs there really. Uh, so you're taking the first chunk of money, the cash that you invest, and then you are you then recycling that? So would you get a mortgage on that property and then use the money to go again on the second? Well, in this specific example, um, yeah. I've got a little bit of extra spare myself. There's a couple of um, private investors who want a, a right. off decent return on their money at a very yeah. secured aspect. Because not only is the, the property being refurbed, so therefore the rental's uplifted, so therefore it's more profitable, but obviously I'm in a relatively fluid state as well. Yeah. Uh, and in their situation, security is the most important thing to them. So the fact yeah. I can say, well, you know, you've got you've got basically first charge on this building I've recently completed on, plus you've got me you can come after. Um, it, it ticks a lot of boxes for them as an investor. I'm sure. Are you finding that working with investors is now more preferable than, I mean, I'm sure it was always preferable than working <laughs> with banks, but even more uh, given the interest rates and everything, is it just, um, you know, are you making more efforts to work with investors because it's easier yep. or more profitable? Very much so. And, and as long as the, the paradigm that they have is we're in it for the long term and we're in it for a decent, but not a, a, a punitive rate of interest then that kind of works um you know i'm basically paying the same as i pay to a commercial loan at the moment you know, five and a half percent six percent whatever it might be in that kind of area as was admittedly you know we, we don't know where things are going to be in six months but then again they might drop again in six months so you've got to kind of average things out of it yeah exactly and as we said it's often more straightforward than going through all the hoops of yeah, uh, working with lenders and if you're looking that in for is that a long-term agreement with the investors or just depends on the investment there's what, what i try and do is is work both with someone that's kind of almost like a semi-bridge 
um, because they've then got flexibility, as have I. Um, and, and in that particular situation, they've actually said, look, I'm looking at doing my own thing. Can you return back a chunk of cash? I'm like, yeah, sure. Uh, so it's almost like a bit of a credit facility in one case. Another case is just, I don't want to hear about it. I'm not interested. It's secure. I know that. So we've got a bit of a better interest rate. Uh, there's another investor that's got a relatively longer term view. So they're happy providing their, their kind of average return is consistent and monthly. They, they, yeah. They, yeah they, they've had the, I think they've had the pain of being involved as a landlord themselves and, and love the income, but don't enjoy the hassle. Um, yeah. So they've kind of outsourced that to someone else. And it, it, it's, these are very long-term relationships. You can't just turn up to a networking meeting and expect someone to have those kind of conversations. Okay. Uh, but, but they also trust the, trust the, want their way, trust the brand. Um, because we've been in it for such a long time, I'm not turning up with a, you know, business card that I printed on on my home printer. ABC <laughs> <laughs> services, and and that's one thing that it, it, you know any learning I would give is professionalising your business because I did it for God knows how many years in an unprofessional way as a bit of a jobby. If you're going to be in this, be in it. Um, you know, spend the money on branding, spend the money on a logo, spend the money on on having a, a, a back a house and back it up you know don't 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 kind of go in half cocked yeah absolutely and I think uh, for people who are new to property they might be thinking well um okay it's okay because it's okay for you because you've got x number of years but everyone's got to start somewhere haven't they so yeah it's just you've just got to get going you've just got to start somewhere and be transparent talk about what you're doing so when somebody does have that conversation with you in three years or five years time actually you've got that credibility locked in amber in social media or wherever um it's interesting you say about this because we, we didn't have that opportunity in the beginning it, it was it was probably casual part because it, it was just very relaxed and also because there wasn't the importance of, of having that professionalization yeah you've got to pull the trigger at some point 100 but also you can almost treat it as building up a bit of a library because that that level of success and pro whether it's project one or project ten, it doesn't really matter. But but to document it and make people aware that yeah, there might be some mistakes and there might be some learnings. Uh, but that's a, that's a very good way of actually building up credibility more than you know taking photos of someone else's site. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, build up. Yeah, it's unbelievable the the learnings you can get from getting in and, and getting involved in it. Yeah, well you know i actually i really love that deal that you just talked about there and how you've structured that some might say creatively it's not the standard approach that um you know somebody coming into the property industry might do um you've you've looked at different options based on the owner and how that you can have a win-win for both sides um and you've kind of just thought outside the box of how to how to structure that so it works for everybody do you think that given the times that we're in now with, you know, interest rates and the uh, Section 24, you know, the renters reform, bill, like, there's lots and lots of changes. Do you think for people who are starting out now in property, they're looking to replace their day job? Um, how, you know, what strategies do you see are, you know, key to go for at the moment? Um, first thing I'd strongly advise is never to give up the day job. I've seen a couple of people do that and one of them might have got lucky and pulled the ripcord and that was effectively burning their boats. 
but I'd also... Do you mean, sorry, do you mean never give up the day job at the very beginning? Or oh, ever? yeah, at the very beginning. Make, make yeah, sure yeah. <laughs> sorry, you've, got, you've got a good run in because it's yeah. important to have that backup. And we are entering uncertain times. I don't think they're the same as 2007, 8, 9, even though there are some indicative um, points that imply it could be, uh, or, or 86 or whenever it was before that. Um, because the world is it's just entirely different. Uh, the fundamentals are, though, that, you know, kind of keep a keep a good hold onto one branch before you grab onto another. And um, a, a friend of mine actually did this beautifully and, and, and just fundamentally great. They, they, they took a took a view to talk with their their boss, the hierarchy and said, look, can I go down to a three day working week? And then they decided to take three days to work in property and one day to spend with their family. So they kept the best of both worlds. Not everyone might have the opportunity to that, but I think there's so much opportunity in evenings, in weekends, that if someone's you know, kind of serious about making a difference in it, then that's where you do your learning. But keep hold of your keep hold of your day job to begin with and set a, set a plan in play, set a goal. You know, if you want to retire in three years, um, property investing is not a retirement. <laughs> uh, and give yourself that lead in and that run in. Um, because you might love it, you might hate it. Uh, so kind of keep that, keep that in the background. And also, I, I think you know, it's lovely when people do courses for three days on commercial property investing or whatever. I, I know a decent amount about that to begin with because I've been both a freeholder and a leaseholder. Uh, I had a, uh, had a venue of my own. Um, so I've got a good awareness of the beginnings of it in three days. It's not enough to learn about any property strategy. It's enough to get to know what you might need to know um i think at best but there's a there's a length of education behind all this and i think we've been kidded into it a little bit by i know homes under the hammer that you see a a 15 second snippet of the before and after and we're kidding into it it's it's easy and it's simple and i i don't agree with that um so maybe three years is probably enough to get that grounding um a year's course will teach you what you need to get to know uh, and you might have some success in that time as well if you apply yourself to it, because uh, everything needs action. But to really get to grips with it, I think it takes a longer time period. So I'd suggest to anyone looking to get involved, give yourself the time and space for that. You'll do it a ton quicker than I did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, absolutely. Preparation uh, up front. Yeah, yeah. So 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 critical. And I hope I'm not teaching anyone to suck eggs at all like that. But but it's it's very important, I think, to to have that have that clarity of vision uh, and also that calendarization of I'm going to apply myself to this for X amount of time. One of the, one of the key things that I love is when people say, oh, I want to get into development to leave my day job. And, and that that's such a skew on what strategy, if you want to leave a job and have a re- residual income or a recurring income, the worst thing to go into is development. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you know this better than anyone. I mean, it, well, it's really three years if you're lucky to get from end to end um so it's a matter of learning as well about the different strategies because it's not just one thing you know, service accommodation didn't really exist when i was starting out fabulous cash flow business or rent to rent or hmos if you've got some money behind you but these are these are kind of they're decent chunky things to learn about and to do correctly so yeah, absolutely it is about just absorbing as much as you can at the beginning getting all the free content getting your head around it um and then you know once you've decided which path you want to take then you can sort of invest more seriously and get yourself educated uh in whatever form that that looks like but i think you're right this is 
a business that for most people they want to be in long term even if it's a short-term strategy like flipping but you're actually in property for the long term uh and for many people i'd say most people they want to have assets for life you know it's not just about the cash flow it's about the capital appreciation in the long term so yeah it's it feels really slow at the beginning though doesn't it those three years (laughs) you know are painfully slow but I just think they're like um it's just like seeds like you're planting seeds and then after three years which will fly by you you look back and you think wow three years is gone because the time's going to go anyway right so um there is a flip side that whole kind I know I've been quite compressed on my uh uh time scales with it but there was a chap on mm13 actually who uh, i love sharing this story if i may a chap called david hall who was one of the top five performers uh very quiet guy very very humble and uh, about six months into the course he got up on the microphone as we were encouraged to do to share our successes and our wins and he got up on the mic and very quietly spoken uh chap lovely guy and he just said i just want to share i've hit the target Wow. And there was all this old guard at the back who'd been doing it for years. And within six months, through rent to rent, he had achieved his cash flow target. And this is someone who I don't know whether he had or not, whether he bought his own house or whether he was still renting, but he was literally brand new into the game. Wow. Uh, and he'd applied himself to such a degree and you know, really done the work. So it is possible. But it's just... Be, be a bit gentle with yourself unless you really kind of you know want to go out there start taking names <laughs> yeah it is and it's you know it's just hard not to compare yourself to those type of people isn't it and you can't because everyone's just coming into it with different levels of experience with contacts with money that with the different level of drive and time and commitment so just go at your own pace I think is the uh you know do what you can and with the current um, interest rates and so forth, my suggestion would be a little bit of caution is better than a large regret. Um, and, and that's not to quell anyone's dreams or anything else like that. But that little bit of education, we do have this this kind of buffer time at the moment when if there's ever a time when I know a lot of the, the older um, landlords are looking to actually get out, but might still be having a bit of a spicy thought on what their properties are worth. Um, yeah, because we've been used to some incredible valuations on properties, but that's the time to really get good at learning what people need, what people want, um, you know, to, to invest in your own education. I know that's a bit of a cliche, but at the same time, the, the time is now to do that because it's not quite as pressurised. You know, it, it's not like there's a load of stock hitting the market um, yet. Uh, it's not like the, the demands are, are wobbly. It, it's, it's kind of a good time to, to really assess what's going on, I think. Yeah, and what's possible, get creative. Absolutely. Because the uh, traditional ways of, to say traditional, the last 10, 12 years, it, you can't do it in the same way. The deals just aren't stacking. So you have to think differently, understand what, what you can do, and then create something out of nothing. <laughs> Absolutely. I think the, the relationship piece um, will, be, will be critical over the next 18 to 24 months. Um, that 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 deep uh, appreciation of what people are looking to achieve themselves if you're if you're new and uh coming in and, and also learning learning the trade um that that's always a, a very good idea to to get under your belt before um before delving into far. yeah great well um just to wrap up then so you obviously are a big fan of educating yourself and uh continuous learning so uh what are you up to now and how does that feed into what you're doing 
Sure. So for the last four years, um, because I enjoy being around other property property folks um, and I've obviously had a, a good grounding in mastermind pen and so forth, for the last four years, I've been a part of the property entrepreneurs community. And that's that's kind of taught a lot of uh, what other people are doing. Uh, so it's great 160 person strong community and you see folk in there who are doing very different things, some of which yeah, I'd love to join him some week. I'm like, wow, fair play. That's <laughs> that, that, that's great for you, but not not maybe so much for myself. Um, and one thing that's been very pleasant from that experience has been being involved in the Get Up Give Back procedure. So this is a, a an annual charity event that we get involved in and look to raise serious funds for some splendid charities. Uh, and that's all. all it's a bit more of a kind of a lifestyle decision, I guess, and, and one of the big mantras of property entrepreneurs, life by design, not by default. Uh, and it, it's life by, by clarity, not, not by uh, comparison. Um, so I, I've been able to um, do some great deals, be a little bit more structured in my time, be a bit more structured in working with other people rather than just going and buying stuff and refurbing it and you know, refinancing it. A, because of the challenges of doing that at the moment, it's, it's tough. Um, but also because people have been able to work with me a little bit better and I've been able to work with them, but also maybe to give back a little bit as well. And that, that's very much part of the procedure I see uh, going through, going forward for the next couple of years. That's a good excuse to get up the mountains and get the exercise <laughs> in as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's a bit of fun. Hi, highly recommended. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and huge appreciation to everyone who donated to those causes as well, because we've had some some very, very kind support. Brilliant. Great. Okay. Well, where can people find out more about what you're up to and follow yourself in the business? Sure. So the websites are very, very simple. Roverhomes.co.uk um, is my main one. Um, I'm reasonably active on Facebook. I love posting up the odd, um, odd update video here and there uh, and try and share the good, the bad and the ugly. So search for Dan Norman. You'll come across this stunning uh, vista. Uh, if you're if you're unlucky and uh yeah do 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 give me a tag on there fantastic well dan thanks so much for your time today it's been really interesting and really inspiring my pleasure thank you very much for the opportunity michelle thanks take care and for those of you who are not yet a subscriber to ypn click the link in the show notes for your free 30-day trial and we'll see you next time Bye.